Hello and welcome. It is Eric Erickson here, the Eric Erickson Show. Delighted to have you with me. Blue skies, I hope, wherever you are. The phone number is 877-97-ERIC, 877-973-7425. I want to begin with the bubble. The bubble. Because uh, there are things said inside and outside people's bubbles. We all live in bubbles, don't we? Everyone has a bubble they're in. You know, today uh, you get to self-select and curate your own bubble. You get to form your own bubble. No, bubbles aren't necessarily a bad thing. When you, I, I am learning as as my career takes off to some degree, I have to be sheltered inside of a bubble to a degree and let others run interference for me on things that sometimes you shouldn't be as accessible as you've been. I am notorious for giving listeners my cell phone number. People around me really don't like that. Everybody gets in a bubble. You get to pick your Facebook friends. Doesn't have to be your next door neighbor. Doesn't have to be the person across the street. It doesn't even have to be your family could be the people you want. And so we all get into bubbles. Every single one of us get in a bubble. The question, however, becomes once inside our bubble, how much do we allow in from outside the bubble? I get asked all the time uh, when I'm doing show prep, what what do I read? How do I know what's true? How, How do I figure things out? I try to read across the political spectrum. Left, right, and center. I try to follow people left, right, and center on social media just to see what they're saying. I may not interact with them, but I want to know what they're saying. I want to know their insights. I I do. I, I have embraced the idea that Tim Keller told me about uh, his theory of, of learning from other people, that if we're all made in the image of God, we've all got something to teach each other. We may not always agree, but we should try to allow information in from outside our bubble. And and increasingly, I'm finding as we've become more and more tribal, it becomes harder and harder for us to allow information inside our bubble that we disagree with. We don't want it. We don't want to have to deal with it. We don't want to think about it. The, the world sucks already, so why do I want to hear this that might lead me to despair, to be depressed, to be angry? to be upset, to think the world operates in a way that I don't think the world operates and profoundly discombobulate the comfort of my bubble. When you are in charge, it becomes easier to get into a bubble. And once into that bubble becomes harder for you to understand what's going on outside the bubble. And increasingly, you get inside these bubbles and they harden the walls so the bubble can't burst. And it makes it even harder for information to flow through to you. Where when you are the press secretary for the White House and people are angry about bare shelves at stores and surging prices and inflation and the supply chain and seeing the ships backed up and Nothing coming through and unable to buy cars and used car prices go up. You can crack a joke that doesn't sit well with the public. Uh, so just a question on the timing uh, on the supply chain issue. Yeah. Um, actions that the president has taken. It, it was clear in March 
of 2020, when COVID hit, that, that the supply chains across the world have been disrupted, even as, as the sort of work to fight back against COVID proceeded, people, it was, it was crystal clear that things were not improving on supply chain. People couldn't get dishwashers and, and furniture and treadmills delivered on time, not to mention all sorts of other things. So why the is it- The tragedy of the short, the treadmill that's delayed. Right, the treadmill, right, probably. The tragedy of the treadmill that's delayed. I don't know anyone who's upset about the Peloton not coming. But I know a lot of people who are starting to be nervous about Christmas, not just nervous about not being able to find the toys their kids have put on the Christmas list, but having the money to buy them. The White House continues to insist that wages are going up. This is from... NBC News in Tampa, Florida. Inflation causing gas to housing food costs to rise while wages stay relatively unchanged. From WFLA, Florida, the rising cost of rent, food, and transportation makes inflation the name of the game as congressional leaders work to find a compromise that will make President Joe Biden's economic agenda functional and move past another potential government shutdown in January. The third quarter weekly earnings report released October 19th from the U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics shows a rise in weekly median wages. Compared to the third quarter of 2020, the report averages the wages of full-time hourly and salaried workers, 115.3 million members of the U.S. workforce. Still, wages themselves are not keeping up with increased costs in housing, food, and transportation. The top three categories for spending in the U.S. While earnings per week for a full-time salaried employee rose 0.7%, the Consumer Price Index shows gains of 5.3%. Part-time workers are not included. Gas prices have a national average now of $3.34 per gallon. CoreLogic, a financial services company, shows the cost of rent rose 9.3% as of August 2021, putting the rising costs of food, transportation, and housing into sharp contrast with the minimal gains in America's wage rates. That's the reality. But Jen Psaki says wages are going up. Here's Pete Buttigieg saying the same thing. Well, certainly a lot of the challenges that we've been experiencing this year will continue into next year, but there are both short-term and long-term steps that we can take to do something about it. Look, uh, part of what's happening isn't just the supply side, it's the demand side. Demand is off the charts. Retail sales are through the roof. And if you think about those images of uh, ships, for example, waiting at anchor on the West Coast, you know, every one of those ships uh, is full of record amounts of goods that Americans are buying uh, because demand is up, because income is up, uh, because the president has successfully guided this economy out of the teeth of a terrifying recession. Wages are up, he says. Jinsaki says wages are up. Wages are barely up compared to inflation. If anything, you actually have less take-home pay now because of all the other costs involved. The supply chain isn't just treadmills, as Jen Psaki says it is. 
And then there are all the issues about education. The Democrats believe that parental concerns about education, we're going to get into this in a little while, that it's all just right-wing talking points. They're in a bubble. You and I may be in bubbles, but they are in bubbles where penetrating outside information is impossible. And then there's the media echo chamber around them. The media shares a bubble with them and so does not like to produce for them information that suggests there's a problem. And now I can tell you what's going to happen. This one's actually pretty abundantly obvious. There's going to be a great media freakout when they realize that the Democrats could set Donald Trump up for a second term because of their policies. See, right now, they the, the media, they're obsessed with Trump. I, I thought it was very interesting for the second night in a row last night. CNN and MSNBC were focused on Donald Trump and the January 6th commission. You should know there is polling. Republicans and Democrats alike have internal polling at the highest levels that show a majority of Americans actually want the January 6th commission to go forward and to provide a a report on what really did happen. Majority of the public does. The Republicans know this and the Democrats know this internally. I myself have been told from highly placed, well-placed sources that both sides have the data that the majority of America, you may not and I may not, but a majority of Americans do. The problem is that the Democrats seem to think if they can keep it going, they can tie it to Trump and they can tie Trump to the Republicans and that'll help them in 2022. And I don't think that's the case. I think they're misinterpreting the data. Americans just want to know what happened. They're curious about it. They think something, people do need to be held accountable and people do need to go to jail. You may not, but a majority do. Remember, know when you're the minority, even when you think you're right. You're in the minority on this if you think it it should just go away and nothing should happen. But it doesn't mean the way the Democrats are interpreting the data is right. But it's hard to penetrate their thought bubbles these days. I mean, just think about this. Just try to put yourself, I know you don't want to, but just try. For the sake of argument, theoretical Put yourself in their shoes. They believe they have a mandate. Now, you and I know they don't. I mean, Joe Biden was elected because he wasn't Donald Trump. That's it. That, that, that's it. He was going to re- reassert normalcy. And what's normalcy now? Apparently, they want us to have masks for the rest of our lives. That's not normalcy. People are going to react to that. But they they believe they have a mandate. And they believe they have a majority, which is true. And they believe that there needs to be fundamental change and it's now or never. And yet they've got Manchin and Cinema refusing to budge. And they've got inflation. They've got a supply chain problem. They've got a taxation problem. They need more money to fund their ideas. So how how do you do? What, What do you do? Well, if you know you've got the media in your pocket, you lie. You don't tell the truth. You find a bad guy, Donald Trump. You don't tell the truth. 
and you know the media is going to cover for you. That, that's If you listen to some of the Democratic complaints right now, one of the big Democratic complaints is that the media is not doing a good enough job of selling the Democrats' agenda. That's a big tip-off right there. The Democrats expect the media to help them. Clifford Asnes, he is the uh, managing and founding principal of AQR Capital Management. He's got an op-ed in the Wall Street Journal today. I, I saw it in, in Punchline. It's a, a daily news. No, it was in Politico. Politico, their, their daily little write-up of what's going on on the Hill. This is the thing the Biden administration hopes nobody reads today. So naturally, everyone's going to read it. I will read it to you, some of it. The Biden administration is trying to sell its Build Back Better agenda by demonizing the super wealthy. But that's just the sales pitch. The actual product is a tax bill sent mostly elsewhere to the already highly taxed working rich. The litany of the supposed tax crimes committed by tech founders and private equity billionaires is long and well known. They pay less than their secretaries do. They spend money borrowed against their shares, leaving most of their wealth untouched and untaxed until death. Their children inherit those shares kicking in the step-up in basis, and their massive capital gains are then blasted into the loophole ether, leaving their heirs to pay only the 40% estate tax, some of which perhaps they can avoid. Private equity billionaires do much of the same stuff and also get to use the famous carried interest loophole. By trading their labor for shares in risky enterprises, the lucky or very good ones, pay capital gains, not ordinary income, rates on their gains. And all of these these miscreants are, of course, supposedly hiding tons of untaxed wealth offshore, likely aiming to become bond villains. The list is a mix of things critics are right about, like the step up in basis, it's hard to defend, that are arguable, like carried interest, and that are nonsense, that wealthy Americans hide their money offshore untaxed. Under the actual proposal, capital gains rates would go up, but the step up rule to avoid them at death would remain Carried interest treatment is only slightly altered, and current proposals seem to make this advantage even more exclusive to private equity and venture capital. The IRS would get more money for enforcement, but this would be directed, as usual, mostly against easier to tar- easier targets than the super-rich. The IRS likely knows there are few hidden hordes of American-owned offshore wealth. While few Americans were named in the so-called Pandora Papers, which revealed the shady offshore holdings, of many prominent foreign politicians, they're nevertheless tackily being used to justify raising taxes right here in the 50 states. There's no wealth tax proposed. A wealth tax would at least actively hit the super wealthy. So who will pay the bulk of the myriad tax increases? Call them the working rich. People with very high ordinary income in a given year. While some also qualify as super wealthy, many will earn high incomes only for a short while, like athletes and movie stars, and use those fat years to finance decades of lower earnings. The working rich already face and pay higher marginal tax rates on ordinary income, and ordinary income is most of what they generate. But you know, it's also not just them. Let's move it closer to home. Let's think about my audience. So, The big cities I'm in on radio, Tulsa, Dayton, Ohio, Atlanta, Georgia, Jacksonville, Florida, Orlando, Florida. Let's take Orlando. You got Disney, you got Universal, 
You got all of that. Got a lot of people there who make six-figure incomes. But with taxes, property taxes, Florida doesn't have income tax, but property taxes, sales taxes, and the like, private school costs and the like, they're really not bringing home a ton of money at the end of the month. And they'll be the ones hit by Joe Biden. He's making the ordinary rich, the low six-figure people who pay out a lot. They're the bad guys under Joe Biden's plan. And no one in Joe Biden's bubble can tell him, these are your voters, Joe. He's coming after the very people who put him into power, and they're going to throw him out as a result. Americans continue to navigate through multiple crises this year. We the People, a Bradley speaker series, offers insights and ideas on the current challenges we face from some remarkable organizations the Bradley Foundation supports. Visit bradleyfdn.org liberty to watch their most recent episode. It features Stephen Suckup, author of The Dictatorship of Woke Capital, How Political Correctness Captured Big Business, an Encounter Books publication. In the episode, Suckup discusses the left's gradual takeover of corporate America and why the free market hasn't been able to prevent it, the dangerous impact of shareholder activism and efforts to push back on it. That's Bradley with an L-E-Y at the end, fdn.org slash liberty to watch the video. New episodes debut weekly. Go back often, subscribe to their YouTube channel to be notified when a new episode is posted. That's bradleyfdn.org slash liberty. Welcome back. It is Eric Erickson here. The phone number 877-973-7425. Glad to have you with me. Let me go to the phones right now. Susan, you're going to be up first today. Welcome to the program. Hi, Eric. Thank you for taking my call. I am just fried over this. Um, You know, the Democrats have abandoned, they abandoned the $600 reporting level Mm -hmm. for to report to the IRS um, on transactions in your banking. And they have now just replaced it with another pile of steaming garbage that's the same thing to the IRS bank monitoring proposal will include every person making more than $10,000 annually, which is pretty much, I mean, you have to be making only $833 a month to hit $10,000 in a year. So they are hitting, this is a war on the middle class and lower class. I mean, this is a war on teenagers who work at Chick-fil-A. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So let me put this in perspective because this really is a bait and switch. Uh, originally, the the plan was for any bank account that has $600 or more in transactions a month, the IRS would have to get a record from their banks or their Venmo or Cash App or Apple Pay or what have you. They've changed it now from $600 a month to $10,000 a year. Well, what's $600 a month work out to? $7,200. So really, they, they've increased it by, what, $2,800? That's it? So we got, uh, what is what is $10,000? So it's gone from $600 a month to $833.33 a month. That's not a big deal. Uh, and they would say wages and salary deposits would no longer count. They would subtract that out. But all this is is snooping. Uh, the IRS, uh, my buddy Fred on, on Twitter actually tweet, tweeted this out, that uh, the, due to the 16th Amendment, the Treasury Department has a right to know my income That's not the same thing as what money flows in and out of my bank account. If they want that information, make them get a warrant. Amen and amen. Hello there. Welcome back. It is Eric Erickson. The phone number is 877-973-7425. Should you wish to be on the program? 
There's a saying, I say it a lot on this program. Anecdote is not data. You often encounter situations where I, and you know, I I talk about situations on the radio. And I will say a, a, a majority, let's just say, uh, put it to you this way. Uh, I am aware of private polling that uh, senior Republicans have and senior Democrats have, separate polling, that shows a majority of Americans want to get to the bottom of what actually happened on January 6th. You may not, but a majority of Americans do. The Republicans are the polling. The Democrats are the polling. Democrats have misread this polling. They think that it'll be a way to hurt Republicans in 2022 by tying it to Trump. That's not what the polling suggests at all. It's just Americans do want some answers about what happened. But, 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 but. I will get people who will call the program and say, well, I I don't care about it. I, I don't know who these people are, but me and my friends, we don't care about it. Anecdote is not data. You may not care about it, but people do. Let's take the McRib. I actually like the McRib. When the McRib rolls around, I go get one. And a majority of my friends are horrified. They don't like the McRib. No, None of them eat the McRib. Well, that's anecdote. The data shows McDonald's brings it back every year because it does generate sales. People do like it and eat it, and it generates enough to churn a profit for them. The data is the McRib makes money for McDonald's, even though the anecdotes around me are if I lived in my sphere of people that I typically hang out with, I think I'm the only one who will go order a McRib. But my anecdote is not the data. Now, if you get enough anecdotes over time and those anecdotes are randomly generated and entirely consistent, you know what they become? Data points. An anecdote is not data. But lots and lots and lots and lots of duplicated anecdotes over time or anecdotes that go in different directions, what have you, over time, they become points of data. And then that data then points to a truth. Before we get to the truth sometimes, we can look at the data and we can form hypotheses. And then eventually we get to test those hypotheses or those theories. Right now, one of those is, does education matter? Are education issues really an issue that's going to fire up the American public? You know, the the hypothesis from Republicans looking at the data out there is that, yes, this is an issue that will galvanize uh, voters, independent voters, in the Republicans' favor. The Democrats' theory is that only Republicans care about this issue. The Democrats have a Fox News poll that shows a majority of independents and Democrats don't really care about the issue and a majority of Republicans do. Republicans have their own polling that shows a majority of, of independents and, and Republicans and a large minority of Democrats do. 
And there are anecdotes around the country. Here in Georgia, over in Texas, up in Virginia, it's been liberal parents who've showed up, not just conservative parents, not just Christians. It's been liberal parents who have showed up at schools to complain about critical race theory. It's been liberal parents who have complained about mask mandates for elementary school. It's been liberal parents who have complained about school shutdowns. And Democrats, based on the data, they look at this and say, well, these are anecdotes. Yes, it's true. Democrats may have shown up in these places. They may have opposed it, but they're the minority. Overwhelmingly, Democrats don't care about this. Overwhelmingly, progressives and liberals don't care about this. It's just, it's the Christian conservative fringe. They're the ones who care about it. You're always going to get a few people to show up. They think it's anecdote. Republicans, though, think it's data. So both sides are shaping their hypotheses. The Republicans believe education is an issue that's going to work to their favor. The Democrats believe it's a non-issue. We're going to have a real-world test. It's called the gubernatorial election in Virginia. And the data is beginning to suggest that the truth is education is going to help the GOP. How do I know this? Well, yesterday in Virginia, Terry McAuliffe, the former governor of Virginia, who wants to be governor again, sat down for an interview with a news station in Virginia. Each of the candidates, Glenn Youngkin and Terry McAuliffe, were given 20 minutes to sit down and conduct interviews. And Terry McAuliffe cut short the interview with the news station. Virginia, he says election integrity is the number one issue. No, it isn't. Healthcare, COVID, education, job creation. All right, we're over. That's it. That's it. Hey, I gave you extra time. Come on, man. You should have asked better questions early on. You should have asked questions your viewers care about. Well, we did. Well, we did, you see. We, we, we should have asked questions your viewers cared about. Well, we did. Yeah, it it didn't didn't go over well there with Terry McAuliffe getting up and walking off. And now the reporter has come out and said that they asked both sides to to do the interview and they were given 20 minutes apiece, and Terry McAuliffe stormed off the stage and didn't want to continue answering the questions. Here's the here's the reporter from uh, the news station talking about this. So if you watch those entire interviews on our website, we do want to point out that the Terry McAuliffe interview is shorter than our interview with Glenn Youngkin. That was not by our doing. Nick offered both candidates 20 minutes exactly, to be fair, for the interviews. McAuliffe abruptly ended 7 News' interview after just 10 minutes and told Nick that he should have asked better questions and that Nick should have asked questions 7 News viewers care about. That's what he said. So, Yeah. Doesn't look good for Terry McAuliffe. See, the, let me explain to you one of, one of the downsides of authoritarian regimes. Oh, yeah, we're going there, folks. Authoritarian regimes 
have a distinct characteristic over time as a climate of fear pops up. Everyone becomes a yes man. Everyone becomes a yes man. The people who would challenge, the people who would dissent, the people who would question, they either fall by the wayside or they're killed or exiled. They're silenced. Because the leader wants what the leader wants and the leader gets to the point where the leader believes what he thinks is right because everyone around him tells him all the time he's grand and glorious. To the extent that the Democrats say Donald Trump was an authoritarian, Donald Trump did have a trait when he was president towards the end, not the beginning, but towards the end, where he was surrounded with people who told him everything he believed was true and very few people challenged him. The people who tried to challenge him were by other people sidelined so they couldn't be there to challenge because those people wanted to be in the glory of the God King Trump. I say that sarcastically, not pejoratively against the president. It's these people treated him as if he was some sort of king and they needed to be in his presence. They wanted his affection and so they agreed with him because by agreeing with him, there was no argument or controversy. So the people who could steer the president in other directions were shown the door. At least with Donald Trump, he maintained good relationships with those people and they went on to do other things. With the Democrats, look at David Shore. David Shore is the Democratic pollster who in 2020 said, hey, uh, guys, this rioting in the streets is gonna hurt the Democrats, the George Floyd riots and the Democrats exiled him, silenced him, canceled him. Now, he landed on his feet, but he's the exception to the rule. See, it's interesting. The Democrats always said that Donald Trump was authoritarian, and then they themselves cancel anyone who dissents from what their views are. And they pushed David Shore out of his data analytics polling firm. He landed on his feet somewhere else. He doesn't like to give up the name of his new company because he doesn't want them coming after him now. You know, in real authoritarian regimes in uh, the Soviet Union, China, North Korea, they just disappeared you. You, you. you weren't fired. You weren't silenced. You were killed. The Soviets became notorious by this. If you ever watched the Chernobyl series on HBO, it's a really well done fact-based series. The Soviet bureaucracy was designed to tell Mikhail Gorbachev, exactly what he wanted to hear. There was no dispute, no dissension. And Gorbachev caught on over time that I'm surrounded by people who are yes men who wish to tell me exactly what I want to hear, and I need other people who are going to tell me the truth. Well, the Democrats, they've they purged anyone who could tell them the truth. So, I mean, go back to David Shore in 2020. He was saying the riots and defund the police bad. And the Democrats said, okay, there's no one here to tell me otherwise. And all my progressive pollsters are telling me everybody wants to defund the police. So they push it. You notice how the Democrats said, no one's talking about defunding the police. No one ever said defund the police. That's not a thing Democrats believe. Oh, it was enough. It was, it was said enough by enough prominent Democrats and then implemented around the country. Austin, Texas, defunded the police. Atlanta, Georgia, defunding the police. Minneapolis, Minnesota, defunding the police. Seattle and Portland, defunding the police. Washington, D.C., defunding the police. Reprioritizing funds 
They say, we're not defunding, we're just reprioritizing. And of course, the media fact checkers, who are a bunch of progressives, oh, fact check, false. They're not defunding. They're just moving the money out of police to other things. And there was a voter backlash in November of 2020. Democrats almost lost their House majority when they were expected to expand their seats. Republicans held all their governor's mansions, expanded their state legislative footprint across the country. The Republicans actually had a really good night in November. All because voters didn't like the defund message. So now here come the Democrats headed into 2022. The anecdotes, they still say, are just anecdotes. But in Virginia, Terry McAuliffe, after three weeks of doubling down on teachers shouldn't be able to have a say in what their children are taught, and critical race theory is a racist dog whistle, is suddenly running as fast as he can from himself. Oh, they took me out of context. I believe parents should have a say in education, except now Terry McAuliffe has been asked, what about the parents and the Department of Justice? The Department of Justice wants to treat parents as terrorists. What he's saying there, I realize that audio is, is very low from the reporter because they had Terry McCall of Mike, not himself. He's asking, uh, what about the Department of Justice? They're going after these parents. They're saying the parents showing up are being disruptive. The parents who are going, going to school boards, that, that they're, it's domestic terrorism. Listen, I'll leave the Attorney General of the United States to make their decisions. I have no knowledge of it. They're, they're going to make their own decisions. So he lays out the case for Gulf. And I realize, I apologize. Uh, the reporter audio is very low there. The reporter makes the case. Here's what the Biden administration is saying. They want to go after these reporters. They're, they want to go after parents. They, they believe parents are being disruptive. Parents are being a disruptive force in education. This is after McAuliffe says McCau- uh, Youngkin took him out of context. And bear, oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna let the Department of Justice do what they want. I'll let the Attorney General do what he wants. McAuliffe is surrounded by people who tell him these are anecdotes that Democrats actually don't care about the issue that it's just Republicans, and so he's governed himself accordingly. And only at the end have people come in and say, wait a second, buddy, our our polling suggests otherwise, and now he's in a mass panic mode. The hypothesis is about to be tested in Virginia. Is it anecdote or is it data that parents are really hacked off about what's happening in schools? I'm willing to say, given the last-minute scrambling and panic by the McAuliffe campaign, their data is showing them it's not anecdote, that it's data. And we will find the truth in just a few weeks in Virginia. If it's close or McAuliffe loses, we will know education and defund the police are still two big issues for the GOP. And you will see the media and the Democrats scramble and say, ah, nobody believes this. Nobody wants to defund the police. No one's teaching critical race theory. It's a racist dog whistle. It's not going to matter. It's not going to matter. They banked on the fact that no one cared about this because they purged from the Democratic Party anyone of reasonable sense who could tell them this is an issue. All the data shows them it's an issue. And they say, that's not data, that's anecdote. And now there's going to be hell to pay for the Democrats because of it. And it's going to set up 2022, and we know what we're going to be talking about for the next year. Now, 
I need to talk to you about Eden Pure and their thunderstorm air purifier, which will get the odors out of your house. Use it in your kitchen, use it in your car. My kids and I are going over to see my dad. Christy's going to a conference in Nashville in a couple weeks. And I'm going to take my kids over to see my dad for his birthday. And I know where we'll be staying, and I will be taking the Eden Pure with me to run in the hotel room just to make sure my kids have allergies, want to be able to take care of it, want to be able to make sure the the pollen and the dust that's flooding the room and also the odors go away, the mustiness of staying in an old place. You can, too, and you can get three of them, one for your upstairs, one for your downstairs, one for your basement, or your car, your RV, wherever. They're small, they're portable, you hold them in your hand, and you can get three of them. Save $200 and get them for less than $200 with free shipping by going to EdenPureDeals.com. Click on my name, Eric Erickson, and then put them in your shopping cart. Pick on, Click on the three-pack, put it in your cart, and at checkout, you'll see a discount code. Use the code ERIC3, E-R-I-C-K, the number three. You will get three of them for less than $200, saving you $200, and you'll get free shipping. It's an incredible deal for an incredible product, EdenPureDeals.com. All right, all right, Jack. We've got about a minute. I figure I see Charlie's note here on your call. Welcome to the program. Yes, I understood you um, You like smoked meats and whatnot. You mentioned that McRib sandwich. Have you tried the Arby's? Yeah, Arby's I, listen, I, I eat at Arby's too. Yes, I do. My, my life is nothing but despair, so I eat at Arby's. All right, second point I want to make, the reason that I listen to you is because I can see you take a topic. You put it in the center of a diamond. And you, you observe it through every facet, and you give us a dialogue on everything that you see. You don't take it from one side. You look at it all the way around, upside down, and give us the facts. A full story, not just a one-sided, or I, I appreciate the fact that we can, it's, it's like we're in a courtroom, and we see every, all the evidence, and we can, we can make a decision on our own. But most of the time, it's, I mean, you have to take facts for facts. And I appreciate that. Well, thank Jack, you. Listen, thank you very much. I appreciate that tremendously. Um, and, and, you know, yeah, yeah I, listen, I, 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 I do like the McRib. I'm, I'm, I, I do like the Arby's one, too. Uh, as far as, you know, I, I'm, I am a conservative. I see the, the, my world through that lens, but facts are facts. I shouldn't ignore them if they hurt my side. I, I, you got to deal with the facts as they are, whether you like them or not. And that's what we try to do.